I'd like to welcome you to WCPT AM's Out Chicago. Think of us as Sunday brunch with your gay best friends. Now, please welcome your host, Scott Duff. And a happy Sunday fun day to everybody out there. Scott Duff here along with Ellen Miller. Good morning, Scott Duff. Good morning, good morning. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah for those celebrating. For those celebrating. There we are. Or Let there be light. Or say happy harmonica. I also say happy Shaka Khan. Because okay. sometimes Shaka. there's a C at yeah, the beginning is. of it, depending it's on how you... Different ways. I know, I know. But we hope that there is light uh, in the darkness out there for everybody. Oh, we need that. We yes. do need that. We do need that. So happy Hanukkah out there if you are celebrating. Uh, and thank you so much for joining us today on Out Chicago. We are keeping the holidays uh, festive this week with versions of the Nutcracker <laughs> from Jazz to Butts. Uh, lots of butts and nuts. Butts and nuts. There we are. There we, I was going to make that joke, but I thought it might be a little too salty. <laughs> See what I did there again with nuts? There we are. Anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm... I'm I, I, I'm a goof about the holidays. You know, I love them. Uh, and, I do, too. And, you know, we are so lucky to be here in Chicago where you can go see so many different things. Oh, my God. Uh, like all this It's an, it's an embarrassment of riches. It is. Right it now. is. And actually, so Sugar Hill, the Ellington Strayhorn Nutcracker, is set to have its world premiere mm. at the Auditorium Theater on December 20th. And Sugar Hill is an exhilarating story told in dance to the genre-defying collaboration between jazz icons Duke Ellington. Ellington and Billy Strayhorn. Uh, Billy Strayhorn was also just, uh, I think, in 2016, he was inducted into the Walk of Fame, the Legacy Walk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're going to chat with one of the show's executive producers, Elise Clairbout, who just happens to be Billy Strayhorn's niece. I love that. I know. I know. Like. I love all these like, connections coming into Chicago and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and if you want to be a little bit entertained, being on the naughty list. For a little bit, yeah. Uh, we cannot. We're gonna the butt cracker, the a burlesque, a burlesque nutcracker. Can't be the holidays without the butt cracker. You know, it's making its triumphant return to Chicago at the Greenhouse Theater Center, uh, and we are going to chat with artistic producer uh, Jack Seifert uh, later on in the show. And of course, we would love to hear from you. So give us a call at 773-763-9278. That number again is 773-763-9278. Of course, you can find us on Facebook where we are coming at you live. So head on over to Out Chicago Radio. And while you're there, give us a click and a like and a share. All that good stuff. But if that doesn't float your boat, you can always tune in on WCPT 820. And while you're at it, follow WCPT and our sister network, Heartland Signal, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the, the Tiki Talk. Yes, all of that. There we are. How are you doing? It's cold today. It's cold. I have my holiday sweater to keep me warm. I know. I saw you came in like it was very, very Yuletide joy. It's, it's a debut? Yeah, it's vintage, so I got it at a little neighborhood uh Resale shop, oh, which oh. I usually don't buy used clothes. I'm kind of weird about that. We, are, are I just you, don't what? want it to touch my body. But I, this is a sweater. It's a sweater, so you have to wear so something, have something underneath it. <laughs> it. it. There we are. Really? Yeah. It just you know everybody's got their thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like <laughs> so I can't do. Devin's nodding his head as well. <laughs> there we are. Okay. See, I don't mind resale stuff. Yeah. Shoes, I can't do. Shoes are weird. Yeah, no because sh- no I know I know what happens on my feet. Yeah, we don't even want to hear about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I can't. But I, the, my problem is yeah. going into any like sort of vintage mm-hmm. or resale kind of situation. A, I don't have the patience because mm, yeah, you, you gotta like you if gotta you're really if you're going thrifting. You yeah. know, like all like all the, the queer Ute do these days. Yeah. They love to go. Let's get thrifting. Yeah, I'm like, ugh, it just. 
I, 10 minutes, and I'm like, okay, no, no. That's Kathy. She can't. I'm like, let's go shopping. She doesn't want to go through, like a, a store like Marshall's or, let's face it, all the people, the stores that used to have people that helped you, yeah. that doesn't even exist. No. Where it used well, to. I mean, I mean, I, really I, stores, well, no, because I went to, I had to make an excursion to Old Orchard. Did you go? Well, was it Nordstrom? That may they may have people helping there. Nordstrom still. makes me feel weird. How about Macy's? Well, we'll talk about Macy's thing. But one other, the, the other reason before we get up yeah. uh, with thrifting is I can't find things that fit me because my body's weird. I get this really broad chest. Oh, that's kind of like our dog Maggie. Yeah. Yes, me and Maggie have a similar broad chest mm-hmm. and everything. It's actually a sofa bed, so <laughs> it does roll out. So I have a hard time finding things. Yeah. But you know, I disagree. I think you know, uh, with the disappearance of brick and mortar stores, yeah. I do think customer service is like coming back. A little well, bit. Well, I think in small independent stores, like along Southport and, and small, like if you're in uh, Lincoln Square. But how many, okay, question for you about Southport. Yeah. How many small businesses are really there? I mean, because that's all well, like. I just mean they're, they're smaller stores, even though they're uh, national chains. Uh, you know, when you walk in, they say, hi, can I help you? You walk into a big department store, you're running around looking for anybody you can find to help ask a question. I think it depends on the department. If you were in the fragrance section, which I happen well, to be in for once again. Well, fragrance is the exception. Girl, they the were all. All oh, up on my grill. They're all hanging around with nothing better. They were all they're up in my grill. To put rub some perfume on you, some I know, cologne. I know. Can I was we do hoping a little that... mascara? How about blush? Can we do your makeup today? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't go to that one. I oh, need to yeah. go to that. Oh, I should have had my makeup yeah, done. You could have done anything. I know. It would have been great. Yeah. I need to even up the skin. I got a, I got a blemish. Right underneath no. my right underneath where my glasses sit. Uh, so I have this pimple. Yeah, it's it gonna like, happen. I know, but it like it hurt. Probably and because of your glasses. It's, 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 it's because of my glasses. Yeah. yeah. We so won't get into the I know, but you, pump pimples, uh, but then but, Jerry Dye, yeah. he he's one of those weird he loves oh, he's, no, he's like, Let me at it. it. Let me at it. There's always people like that. I know. Give it to me. He's like, come here. I'm like, go away. Stop. Did you know there was a, uh, several years ago, there was a some sort of cable show that was all about that? Oh, you can still find it, Dr. Pimple Popper. Yeah, we talked about it years ago on the show, now that I think about I, it. It's not, it Dr. is not my Pimple jam. Popper. Dr. Pimple Popper is, she is. There's a whole cottage industry of oh, pimple poppers uh, out Let there. me tell you, I have some friends, some very, very smart friends in very high places, like high, high important jobs. <laughs> yeah, there's no who, fetishes or uh, fetishes. It's not a fetish. It's, it's not like It's kind of a fetish. It's not sexual. Are all fetishes sexual? I think so. Mm, okay. It might just be. I don't know. We can okay. we can look up Miriam Webster's <laughs> definition of, of fetish, but they love like yeah. there's something about that. I don't know that thing. Yeah. Okay. But what's right. really and weird too it's is breakfast like, for a lot of people. No, well, brunch with your, with bre- your gay okay. best friends. Well, is, and we're talking about popping pimples, and sometimes they get they do like they move into boils. Oh, oh God. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's change All right, the and moving let's, on. Let's talk about something <laughs> delicious, joyful. Kathy and I went and saw Boop. It's the world premiere now uh, at the CIBC Theater. I used to call it the Schubert. I'm old. The CIBC Theater on Monroe. You know, my expectations, I told Scott for the show, were kind of low about it because I'm like uh, a musical about an animated character, you know. From like the 1920s, you know, like what? Why? Let me tell you, grinning ear to ear, joyful, fun. Yes, is the plot, you know, doesn't make. 
yeah, it's not, you know, I'm one of these academies. I, I'm always picking plots apart. She goes, you got to suspend your your reality. You got to like, you know. Yeah, oh, 100%. And, and I'm bad at that. But I'm in this show, I didn't have a problem doing it. Uh, a name you got to watch out for, Jasmine Amy Rogers. She plays Boop, Betty Boop. I've never heard of her. I don't know where she came from, but you will be hearing about her. She will be stay. She will be on that Tony uh, podium in a couple. Whenever they're, you know, next year, yeah, twenty twenty five. Because it's going to broad. This is their pre Broadway, Broadway triad. David uh, Foster wrote the music. Uh-huh. Um, the lyrics. <clears throat> I don't know who did the lyrics? You know, uh, I can never remember the lyrics, people. But you. Uh, well, don't say that. Jerry dies a little the brightest. I always remember the lyrics. Susan <laughs> Birkenhead. Birkenhead. Susan Birkenhead. Uh, the book was by Bob Martin. The director was a sweet man who came on stage, uh, Jerry Mitchell. He's from Papa, Michigan. And the whole row in back of us are Papa! You know, these, <laughs> all these gay guys from Papa were going nuts in back of us. But standing ovations uh, at the end, uh, of course. But you could just feel the love in the air. You couldn't help but like this show. If you're there and you're breathing and you have any kind of sentimentality or you, a love of great music, great voices, the sets are fabulous. Uh-huh. It's only here till Christmas Eve and then you know, it'll be in Broadway next year. Bill Gates was there. What? Bill Gates was, was there. Bill Is Gates, he a producer? We, no, he's not a producer. I don't know if he's just got a boop. Th- you know, we were saying, well, if Bill Gates likes something and he wants to go see it, he's going to go see it, obviously. Uh, the Fleischer Studios are who did this show originally. The um, I think his name I don't know, Sam, I don't remember. But the Fleischer was the animator and the one who originated Betty Boop. His grandson was there. Wow. His grandson's still involved That's in, this, awesome. in this production. I just... Uh, it's great for the whole family. Max, Max Fleisch, uh, based on the characters created by Max Fleischner, Fleischer. Anyway. Wasn't Betty Boop like originally a dog that Maybe. got turned into a I think that lady? Could be, I think that could be true. And I think she was, uh, we had our friends over last night, one of them's African-American, and he said, you know, she was originally African-American, the character. Well, the woman who plays it in the show is She's African-American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's black, and she is so good. The whole cast is good. An- uh, Angelica Hale, she plays uh, a six. She's a young. She plays her friend that she uh, she befriends her at Comic-Con. It's a time traveling. Okay. Do you know the premise? I have no idea There's what the premise is. There's some time traveling going on from the okay. 20s to into now. modern day. And again, That's got to be very confusing for her. It is confusing for her. But I bet she has a really good attitude about it. She's got a great attitude about it. Yeah, she's Betty Boop. She's Betty Boop and... Just yay! Go see it if you can. I mean, um, so wait, so what is the what is the plot that you? I mean, yeah. So she's a time traveler. Yeah. She she ends up at Comic Con and okay. okay. She runs into this young woman who's got boop things on from head to toe. She's a boop fanatic. Yeah. Okay. And their friendship ensues, and then she gets to know her family, and they take her in because she's time traveled. She's there. Betty Boop, and she Grandpa, has no idea what she's doing. No. In modern day, I'm and, assuming New York. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes, of course. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and of course, there's lots of you know lines in there about you know where we are today, you know the timely lines about you know that show you where where we are and how funny it is, you know the, the, just the juxtaposition of the 20s to now. And uh, there's a love interest in the show, oh. a couple of love interests, um, dancing, singing. You know, I'm not going to give anything away. Right, but, right, right. But she's in please. this world, and and her other world is falling apart because she's not in it. Oh, you know they can't make the they can't do 
the sh- the, 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 the Betty Boop series can't go on without Betty Boop because she's not around. Oh, she's in so the she future. Has to get back. She has to think about getting oh, back. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, so that's kind of the premise. So kind of like a Wizard of Ozzy, yeah. like I'm in a new land. Yeah. I'm going to make a difference while I'm in this land, but I just want to go home. Yeah. Kind of vibe. Yes, exactly. There's a, a little political, uh, you know, there's a character that's running for mayor. All the characters, you just can't help but love every single person on that stage. You know, I've heard that, like, that she is just phenomenal. Like the reviews that have been coming out and people she that seen the like her voice, her acting, her persona. You love it for the minute that st- that curtain opens. You're just you know you're you're in you're in it. You know. Like, all right, uh, I will. You know, you drink the Kool Aid. Yeah. I, I was sitting next to I won't mention his name, but he's a director at a at a theater here in Chicago, and I could tell he was. Uh, you know, kind of like I'm there because my partner's involved in the show, you know, and and then you could see by the end he was melting too. So, oh great, uh, yeah, it's just one of those kind of shows. You, know, it is hard being like you know being a theater professional, right? To and look, go and sit in the audience yeah. because it's like it's hard to not view it as either like homework, mm-hmm. you know, or just like, or see. Or take your critical self away from, you know, looking yeah. at everything under that that lens that you can't help but look at it. Yeah, too. I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way sometimes when you go hear music, music. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like, it's it's gotta be challenging. But yeah, it's, sometimes it is hard to like, all right, I just gotta let go. Suspend judgment. Suspend judgment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. It, but again, you're like, oh, like, like I, I went to go see... Emma Daughters, Chuck yes. Bean, Christmas. Tell us about that ex- experience. I know you loved it. Look, it is the most delightful evening of the theater, and it is really, um, it is truly family friendly. I mean, like, it, in, in a way that's like, it doesn't dump things down, it doesn't. The humor, it, it hits all levels. You know, it, you can you get something for the little kids. You get something for the for mom Which and dad. Nice, yeah. You know, you get something for everybody. It's it and and some of it, oh, I lost. Well, first I was just a mess through most of it. And the music, it, Paul, Paul Williams. Williams. Paul Williams was it great music. Yeah, and there were some new songs that he he told us about yeah. when I was weeping through our interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he uh, like he actually has a they pre recorded. Him doing a song. Oh, like he he makes a guest appearance oh, as Pa Otter, as he should, which was great. But it's like it is so delightful. I you've never seen the original no special. Mm-mm. Okay, you need to it's watch my the age special. showing. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's Have on you... Peacock if you have it. Oh, uh, maybe we do. I don't know. Kathy, do we have We it? actually own it, so we'll, oh. you know, we'll have you over. You can watch All it. Right. Right. But you love it? You've seen it too, Devin? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like, it's, a, it's really sad. <laughs> it's a very sad show. Because I know there's a mother and son. And... Oh, well, it's so fun. Like, you know, A, just from the nostalgic point of view, from the very beginning, like, you actually see... Because they are Jim Henson creations, mm-hmm. it is a Jim Henson-sanctioned show. So you have these puppets that are identical to that are in that are the same ones that are in the 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 original television special. Uh-huh. And you see uh-huh. a moment of like at the very beginning of you know Emmett and Ma Otter just rowing their boat down the river when they're going down to Waterville. It is I, like that happened. I just grabbed Jerry's leg and we both just started like just tears. even that scene. It was just so it's 
it's so sweet mm-hmm. and so wonderful. And as Paul Williams said, it's about the elegance of kindness. Uh, it is, it's wonderful. Um, and then they have like, and these, the puppeteers that they have on there, the whole part, it's a very, it's a gift of the Magi kind of story mm-hmm. where you have, you know, it's a ma and uh, it's ma otter, Alice otter and, and, you know, Emmett otter and it's Christmas time and they're, they're struggling really, really hard for money. they're sacrificing for each other. They are. And they're, they go to compete in this talent show because they can win $50. Wow. And a $50 then. could buy that. Guitar with the pearl, uh, mother of pearl. Oh, that you had me at that. I know. That would have got me right there. I know there. you could have gotten that, but like, Ma had to sell Emmett's tools to buy fabric to make a dress so she could perform at the talent show. That's all a gift. Emmett had to put a hole in the wash tub, which is the only way they make money sometimes by doing and wash. Oh, thankfully they. Oh, there's some moments. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, but it, but the talent show mm-hmm, itself. When mm-hmm. they get to the talent show, you have you know you have live actors uh, interacting with these puppets. Mm-hmm. Oh. That is, it's it truly is magical. It is just magical. Our uh, I have a couple of buddies in the show. Uh, Sawyer Smith, who's been on our show before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sharice Hamilton, mm-hmm. both of them I've worked with. Sawyer is plays Madam Squirrel, and there's for their talent, they've got flying squirrels, and it's literally <laughs> these squirrels that are puppets that are somehow flying all around uh, Madam Squirrel. It's fun. Sharice Hamilton has this brilliant number as Mrs. Mink. Like it is, it, it really is. It's one of those moments where you just like you just feel good. It's it's one of those. It's a feel good oh, yeah. kind of thing. And how long is it here? How much more time oh, do we have? Golly, do you golly. Okay, I think it's, it's, it's through. I think it's through like New no, Year's. I think it's through New Year's. I think it I might think. be till the end of the it's year. It's definitely through the end of the year yeah. because a friend of mine, uh, who also loved loves the 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 whole uh, special, mm-hmm. uh, he and his family have you know they're they're going to do something after Christmas. They're doing. They've got a they booked rooms at the Palmer house and they're going to go to the Palmer house with his whole family. Like he's an adult. It's like his parents. Um, they're going to go see the show, do the ice skating thing. And like, it's, it's just so great. But what was really cool was uh, our conversation after mm-hmm. kind of bringing every, just kind of bringing everything up. Cause it, it was a, um, it was a really, uh, Weird time when it when it came out for me personally. Uh, my parents had just gotten divorced. I was young. My mom had to go back to work, <clears throat> so there was a lot of identifying mm-hmm. with the character. And mm-hmm. you know, there's this, uh, uh, you know, Pa Otter. He was a, a no account uh, snake oil sales. He was a, he was a snake oil salesman, mm-hmm. um, but that's because he didn't know that so many people didn't want to oil a snake. Um, you know, they put them positive Muppet spin. But for some <laughs> reason, it's so weird. Like in my head, yeah. like they talk about how Pa had has died. Right. But in my mind, I never heard that. I always heard that Pa just left. Okay. You know So maybe they made it a little well nicer for the family. Or, or, or not. Or, or you know, not, it's yeah. I don't think I don't think it's true. I just think I because I think it actually is they talk about how he passed away because Jerry remembers him passing away. But it was just like from my you childhood like, perspective. You kind of interjected your own yeah. Just, so like dad know. wasn't there. So that meant yeah. that he left, you know, and so it was just a really interesting moment that we both started talking about um, 
our fathers mm-hmm. and our relationship to our fathers. And if it sparks that kind of a conversation, that's pretty Yeah, incredible. it was great. Yeah. And then Paul Williams makes a, a guest appearance uh, as uh, Via as the magic Paul, of recording. Magic of recording as Paul Otter. Aww. But it's a, it, it, I, I cannot recommend it enough. And oddly enough, there were more uh, adults than families there. It was mostly like Gen Xers and yeah, millennials, like you, who you know relate to I mean, the original. Yeah and, yeah, and there were some some folks there that had like the whole <laughs> Emin Otter swag on. You know, like they had the sweatshirts, they wow. had things. They were like, it. It really is just magical. It is so sweet. The voices are top notch, but the puppet. It really is the puppetry. It does go until the 31st, so you have till oh, the good. end of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, speaking quickly, Pup, before we go to break, I forgot to mention one of the characters in Boop is also, we, there's also a puppet in Boop. Look, this is the year of the puppet. This is the, between the Manuel Christmas and, and the Manuel Cinema is a Christmas Carol. Uh-huh. It's, uh, but it's the dog. Oh. And I, I told Kathy, this dog's going to get a huge ovation. You watch uh-huh. the curtain call the puppet. Of Because the puppeteer's on stage. He's all in black. You forget he's there. But yeah. th- that, that, that dog got one of the best, biggest, <laughs> biggest <laughs> apl- uh, uh, rounds of applause mm-hmm. at, the, at the curtain call. So it's puppetry, but it's um, beautiful. And um, our city is Puppetry uh, can be beautiful. So filled is. with great, great, great options this, this time of year and always. So Anna? get out and support it. It's been, we're still coming out of COVID. Uh, of the pandemic and theaters are still struggling so um don't hesitate these are great shows indeed indeed mm-hmm. the year of the puppet the year of the puppet the year of the puppet the puppets that make scott cry it really is what it is, what it is. It's, it's crying puppets i love that it's great go see manual cinemas a christmas carol and writer's theater go see boop if and, you can yeah and go see him on check band christmas i'm look again this is truly fun for the whole family. Like if you've got kids, even if you are, or if you're just a big kid at heart, it's so. And there's some really funny moments. That talent show. That's all I have to say. Okay. That talent show. We'll try and see I just it. can't. I hope so. I can't with that talent show. So there we are. There we are. And I can't that we've just like totally flown through a break. That's what we do. Yeah, I know. That's what we do. We get jibbering and jabbering and there we are. Uh, We do have to take a break. But before we go, this part about Chicago is brought to you by Team Hotberg. Hey, 47 million million listeners. I can't talk. What's going on? 47 million listeners have no or unscorable credit and would benefit from a Team Hotberg Fresh Start secured credit card with no annual fee. What? Uh, A Team Hotberg Fresh Start secured credit card is perfect if you're a vindictive ex destroyed your credit credit, you recently filed for or were discharged from bankruptcy, you experienced a foreclosure or short sale, have collections, you were turned down for credit, or one of your kids is having trouble securing their first credit cards. Or if you are an otter and you want to buy a guitar with a mother of pearl inlay mm. for your child That's to make nice. a beautiful Christmas mm-hmm. present, there we are. You know, Or if you're a child otter and you want to buy a piano, well not a whole piano, you, gotta, you can't do that with $50, but you, or $12.50 because you had to split it four ways. It's part of a junk band, but you could put a down payment on it. Absolutely. But if you had a uh, Team Hockberg Fresh Start credit card, I'm sure you could do all of that. There we are, because Team Hockberg has partnered with Kane County Teachers Credit Union to offer the Team Hockberg Fresh Start secured credit card with no annual fee to help reestablish, enhance, and strengthen listeners with no damaged or challenged credit. For information about obtaining a Team Hockberg Fresh Start secured credit card with no annual fee, 
Go to 56david.com forward slash fresh start. That's 56david.com forward slash fresh start to establish, enhance, and strengthen your credit. Team Hochberg has helped thousands of WCPT listeners, but they can't help if you don't visit 56david.com forward slash fresh start. Lower.com, equal housing lender, NMLS 1124061. We have got to take a quick break, and when we come back, there is more out Chicago right here on WCPT. Welcome back. I'm writer and activist Stacey Anchin. You are listening to Out Chicago on WCPT 820. And welcome back to Out Chicago. Scott up here along with Ellen Miller rolling along yes, on this indeed. day, you know. I was, have you been, I've been having a hard time kind of getting into the Christmas spirit, the holiday spirit. Well, no, for me, it's Christmas. I celebrate Christmas. Yeah, us so. too. Um, our house is decorated. Kathy did almost all, 99% of it. Thank you so, so much. That, that helps. Um, we're not doing any, we always used to do a neighborhood party. I think I talked about that last week, but we do to, we couldn't figure out our schedule from, uh, yeah. so we didn't do one this year, but I was at a hol- our company at properties had a holiday party on, uh, Thursday night downtown. Uh, it was a lovely night for that. Uh, it was a beautiful night. People were dressed to the nines. You know, they had a DJ and you know, open bar and nice food. And it was right, uh, right by the uh, North Bridge by uh, Nord, uh, Nordstrom's over there. A place called Yardbird. It used to be P.F. Oh. Chang's at corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a new, like a upscale Southern food. It's like two levels. Mm-hmm. It was it, it, that started got things going a little bit because you know the holiday party kind of signals yeah. where, where we're at. But um, you know, there's so much in the world that is I, troubling that it is hard to just just throw caution to the wind and say, yeah, here we go. It's all just about fun and joy. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, seeing yeah, the yeah. plays that we just talked about, the musicals that we saw, those kinds of things um, make you feel good around the holiday season. Yeah. We need those because we can kind of escape what's really going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, there's, there's there just is a lot going on. It was weird. I'm, I don't know. Like we're, you know, we're trying to figure out within our, you know, uh, there's a lot going on in like mm-hmm. in our within our friend circle and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a friend who just lost her father, and now her mother is is probably yeah. going to pass. And that colors soon. things, you know. You know, and yeah. we were on the phone with her as we were driving down to go see the show, mm-hmm. and you know, and then we went. We got there early. I was like, let's go early, and we can go down, and we'll like go to Chris Kindle Mart, and we'll just like walk around downtown and see the lights and the windows and everything. And it was just like really busy down there. Yeah, we went to the really one on Friday night when it was 50 degrees and it was also I very... I can only imagine what it was like what? 50... Everybody was... I don't, I don't know, I want you to tell your story, but everybody was so... Even though it was crowded, everybody was just nice. Oh, well, that's good. Because it's just... You, it's all holiday. It's 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 like that. That got us in the spirit too. The, yeah. the Chris Kindle mark. But go on. Yeah, well, no, I mean, it's just like there were just a lot... Of, I mean, we're talking... They close off... I've, I've the downtown been, one's nuts. I've only been to the downtown one when I used to work downtown. Yeah, I've only been season it, yeah, of years ago. Years ago since we've been to the yeah, downtown. Yeah, and I would one. go during the day. Right. But I'd never been there, like especially on a Saturday yeah. night. It was just like there were just so many people. We tried to like we were like, let's go into a store because we're not we're not really giving gifts this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I think our gift is a dishwasher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, you know, the that's what that we're gonna be doing. Giving. There we are. But um, you know, so we're just trying to like navigate through all of this it's just 
it's just weird, you know, just trying to really trying to manufacture, it feels like, you know, trying to really generate that spirit. And it's just been harder this year. And I'm not quite sure sure why. For a lot of people, for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know there is like, there's a lot of stuff that's just like wackadoodle right now. I mean, this week, Liz Cheney has been on, she has been on a media <laughs> book. She's trying to sell books. Um, it, that new book, uh, Oath and Honor, A Memoir and a Warning. Uh, I caught her on Rachel Maddow uh, earlier last week. Oof. Did you, have you seen any of her I've seen, interviews? Yeah, I saw one of, one of her interviews. I think on CNN. I don't remember where I saw it, but where? I saw it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's scary. The whole well, Rachel. Yeah. I highly recommend going through and watching the Rachel Maddow okay. uh, interview, mostly because here is one thing. So, so Liz Cheney is she has this book, mm-hmm. uh, and she is spilling the tea. Yes, she is. She is just putting it out there. Mm-hmm. Like this is what happened. This is what's going on. Um, she. It, it, we all know Liz Cheney, but he, you know she's. Basically, we are united with the common foe, right? Which is yeah. Trump. Mm-hmm. There we are. And don't like talking about him, but we're going to talk about him mm-hmm. today. Um, but Rachel's <clears throat> intro, like she spent, you know how she usually does like a monologue for like the first like twenty minutes mm-hmm. of the first segment of the show. Right. She spent the entire time basically being like, "Okay, we could not be more different." It's you know, she is like, we have different ideas on policy. We have different ideas on how government should work. We have different ideas on, on gun control, gun and, control mm-hmm. and uh, immigration mm-hmm. and LGBTQ rights and everything. And and she goes into a very long detail about like how like their first encounter when she met and how it was not well and right. how they even disagreed over fishing, mm-hmm. you know, like something that they both do, <laughs> you know. And it's like, this is how important this moment is to have, you know, to have her on the show. Let's not get it twisted out there, folks. Liz Cheney does not, she's coming around on like certain things. She's begrudgingly kind of agreed to like marriage equality uh, because of her sister. And it was, mm. and she, she changed her tune while she was on her way out of office. Let's not forget that. Sure. Um, however, um, she right now is is going around. Yes, she's hawking a book. Am I going to buy it? Probably not. Um, just because it's Liz Cheney. I, I, she's right. got enough money, mm-hmm. you know. And I right, don't I right. don't want to give her money. But um, the two of them, when they sat down, they were both united, and I think a lot of people are on the one idea about how a, a second Trump administration would be devastating to this country, like one hundred percent devastating uh she used words like she called him a grave threat that he will torch the constitution and that he has to be defeated and that people cannot be bystanders and that's you know i hate to like you know pee in the holiday punch but that's like we have to remember that mm-hmm. and i i don't know i'm i still am i'm i'm really really worried worried and yes, nervous with good reason you know and they gerrymandered things they have they cheat uh they they continue to tell alternative you know truths and facts and here in chicago in big cities where there's education and diversity we tend to feel the same way but there's a whole rest of this country that 
is just stepping in line, watching Fox News, watching Newsmax. But even like they're not watching Fox News right now. Mm-hmm. Even Fox News is like coming out and saying that like, oh, these economic like this, the last jobs report numbers were good. great because well, you have to tell some truth, I guess. But my point is that. They see the world totally different than we see the world. And they continue to want to feel like whoever that Republican nominee is. And I, th- I think some of that is going to go away. But I think the majority of Republicans, and I heard Kevin McCarthy say it today, he will be behind President Trump if he is the nominee of the party. And this is where, thank God, there's people like, you know, Liz Cheney and, and Kinzinger, Kinzinger, I always screw up his name. Uh, who, it's Kinzinger, yeah. Uh, and Mitt Romney. And you know, Mitt, even. But you know what? Sadly, Trump has done a great job of canceling them, of minimizing them, of, you know, and so there's a whole people, there's a his cult of personality. It's just, it, it worries me because even, they don't care about, they threw, this is what they think of Liz Cheney, they threw her out after she spoke truth. Yeah. So, I like that she's saying that this our country cannot afford to have a man like Donald Trump as president. It'll be devastating to our country, our democracy, our constitution. Everybody is saying he'll throw it out. He will he will retaliate. He's saying it. He, yeah, He's saying it. But you know, these patriotic Americans, they don't have a clue about the Constitution. A lot of them do not have a clue about it. They listen to what he professes to be the way to save our country from the liberals, from the from the libtards, from whatever he wants to call us. Yeah. From the trans people, from the gay people. Yeah, you know, and he's he's uh, he's made us the boogeyman, and uh, we've got our work cut out for us. I still believe more Americans feel like we believe, but Scott, you said it earlier. We've got to get out and vote. We cannot sit on the sidelines. Yeah, any vote that is not for Biden is a vote for Trump. If Biden is indeed the candidate, and right now it still looks like he's going to be, he doesn't want to run. But you know, he said it last week. If, if Trump wasn't running, he probably would not run. Yeah. But we've got to get young people to be energized. And it's hard when you're going after an 81-year-old you know, president. It's going to be how old if he you know, gets the job done and stays in office for four more years. But we've got to get the youth vote out. They are not for Trump. We just hope that they're not bored enough to not be for, for Biden. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it seems to me that I, that the younger votes have been come, the voters have been coming they out. They have been. We just have you to, know? we can't rest, rest on our laurels, though. We've got to really. Yeah. Well, but the, see, here's the, this is the thing that really, this is what really freaks me out. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it stuff is going to go down mm-hmm. next November. Yeah. Regardless. Right. Regardless of who wins. Because if Biden wins, like if if Trump wins, blah. Yeah. It's mm. Mm. it's it's over. You know, it's it's who knows what's gonna happen. But and if Biden wins, I think his his supporters, the ones with the guns, the ones who are behind January sixth, the ones who are like, you know, believe that the election was stolen, that there was a lot, you know, they're they are not going to be convinced that he want that he legitimately lost the, the election and that something is there will be violence. There are plenty of Republicans besides Liz Cheney and Kinzinger that are saying that the election was not stolen, that are still sit in office. So, right. But but but, you know, and, but to your message. point, but to your point, mm-hmm. well, you are also saying that these these mega people yeah. are not listening no. to Liz Cheney. Mm-mm. They're not listening to. Adam Kinzinger. They're not listening to Mitt Romney. They're not listening to these people. Mm-hmm. Like that is, that's my my concern, is that the people who are you know, who are die hard die in the wool, 
you know, MAGA people that when when he loses, because I too, I do believe that, like, I, I do believe we defeated him once before. Seven million people. Again. I don't think he's gained seven million. I don't voters. think he's gained seven million people either. But the when the Democratic candidate wins, mm-hmm. looks like it will be Biden. I I fully anticipate there will be violence coming up. Like it's, it, I mean, it they just have made an inevitable. example of some 850 protesters that have been right, but now know, the but that's uh, I'm not protesters, insurgents who yeah, you know. but, but it's that, but they're also releasing the footage and blurring out people's faces. You know, they're oh, doing all this that. weird stuff that just doesn't make any sense. Well, they're continuing to to feed this to fuel the flames yeah. of ignorance and hate and all that stuff. That I, I I am worried, you know, we because we all knew like yeah. here's like we knew when he put out that tweet before, you know, in in 2019 or 2020, we know in in December, like it's going to be wild. Oh, we like, knew we knew something was yes, going to happen. We were Everybody worried about knew. it. Everybody was worried, you know. And then look what happened. And now I don't know. It's just. I it's, mean, th- th- you know, we hear there. I still think the majority, and I believe even the majority of Republicans. I don't know what the poll says. If someone can tell me, but I think the majority, not by a lot, do believe that Biden won the election. Of yeah. Republicans as well, I think the majority of Republicans. Yeah, but I, I'm not. Uh, but, I'm not worried. Again, I'm not <clears throat> worried about the majority of Republicans. I'm worried about the thirty percent. That are wackadoodle. But we have 70% if we get out and vote, keeping that in mind, that we have the strength in numbers. I think. Again, I'm not worried way. about the vote. The, the people, what do you, you're worried about what will happen. I'm worried about no, what's going to happen. Regardless. Well, the thing is, the difference last time is his administration was in office. The difference this time is it's a Democratic administration in office. So if the vote goes for the Democrat, it's not like there's going to be people in the, in the highest levels of power. Uh, the Senate and the and the White House, there is Congress that are going to stick with that lie, you know, as they did when when Trump. Right. Uh, Again, was I'm not worried it. about the lie. Like, I'm not worried. You're worried about right. You're worried about. I'm worried about civil actual war. violence, about civil, about like about actual violence happening. Well, regardless of the, the situation. I'd like know? I'd like, you know, we're also a country that's been a, watching uh, a war in uh, Ukraine and a war, you know, Israel and Hamas. We've been watching war. We, we see how horrible it is. I would hope that people want to keep our country peaceful and not be a part of the horrors that are going on all over the world. I, I just, I have to put my hope in the common sense of the people that are still have common sense. There's always going to be a bunch of idiots out there. Yeah. I think the ones that are going to vote for Biden, they're not out there like waving flags and screaming and going crazy. I think they're going to go to the polls like they did in 2020, lined up, and we're going to vote for the Democratic candidate. That is my hope. All right. All right. I'm, then, I am hopeful as well. I am hopeful as well because, you know, we also, when somebody tells you who they are, you need to believe, believe them. them. Oh, you know, yeah. he did that whole thing in Iowa this week with Hannity. When he says, are you going to oh, like, yeah, are you going to have that? What he, are you going to do your first day? And he said, are you going to be, uh, are you, you going to be, retro- what do you say? Are you going to abuse your power or seek retribution if you win a second term? And he's, are you going to be a dictator? And he says, yeah, no, except for day one. Day one. Except for day one. Except for day one. I'm going to go in. And then he repeated it again. Like, yep, I'm going to do it on day one. And there are a whole bunch of people that are applauding that. But there's a lot of more people, I think, that are saying we can't get you with anything close, anywhere close to the White House. Right on. Well, okay. 
Well, I know I'm an optimist, but I got to keep the faith. And well, we no, Democrats and again, have to stand behind Biden and stop. Yes, we know he's old. We know that it's not the best scenario. But we I'm going to say this over and over again. We got to shut up and say this is our guy, just like they have done time and time again, even for the goofball like Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Again. Uh, yeah. I'm not more. I, I, I am very confident that, that President Biden will be reelected. It's just the aftermath that I'm. I'm I'm really concerned about and make sure that people can get to the polls. I mean, I I, I hope that, you There's know that. you know they're doing everything they can to uh, disenfranchise you know black voters and voters in 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 areas where they know they're not going to win. So that's we're fighting that battle too. But we got to keep fighting it. and We got to keep the faith. I know, I know, I know, I know. Oh, and we we've got to take a break. Ooh, we uh, we're going to continue on this, uh, but we will to get to your calls. So callers, please hang on the line. Uh, we got to take a quick break, and when we come back, there's more out Chicago right after this. I'm David Dodd with the Chicago Black Gay Men's Caucus. Welcome back to Out Chicago on WCPT 820. Welcome back, Scott Duff here, Ellen Miller here, mm-hmm. getting getting fiery, getting fiery, getting fiery. Getting getting little... Look at this. We got a whole year ahead of us next year. I know. We've kind of been living in a little bit more of a let's not get there every week, but it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy well, next it's year. Well, because we keep waiting for there to be some change for something to happen to for people to be to wake up to be like hey this ding dong is a ding dong yeah he is a liar he's a cheat he is uh kooky pants he's uh egomaniacal narcissist who just can't like he's a child he's a petulant child and he's, he's getting nuttier by the minute he's getting I mean, nuttier the by the minute he's saying I'm like, are you people listening to this guy he like needs a straight jacket i know and when they're talking about how like i am your retribution <sighs> yeah and he's talking about going after the you know, members of the free press. They're, they're, it's it's going to be wackadoodle. And then this past week, we had you know another train wreck of a GOP debate. <laughs> yeah. The RNC. I was at Boop, so I didn't have to get to watch. I it. didn't watch all of it. I just was like, at some point, I a got a million home. people watched it. A million. Oh, uh, okay. That's like the population of you know a city in that's, yeah, America. That's, yeah, that's not Chicago. No, you know, <laughs> but it's like it is. It is. If we're looking for an alternative, you know, if we're waiting for some sort of, you know, magic thing to happen, like with some of these cases that are like these indictments that are happening Mm -hmm. with, you know, going to trial. If these other people, they're the four candidates that were able to be on this last Mm -hmm. uh, uh, debate in air quotes, Mm -hmm. you know, they how how do you expect to if you really want to become the president? How do you expect to get the nomination if you do not go after um, go after Trump? Oh, it kills me. Only Christie. The only one of the four that did it. Yeah. He was the only one that went for me. He called him how the truth needs to be told that he's a dictator and that he's a bully. Um, But it was like this this last debate it was just ridiculous. It was. It was. It I was, saw a bunch of high low lights of it. Yeah, the low lights of it and everything. But it was nothing but like bad journalism and attack on Nikki uh, Nikki Haley, uh, and you know, seeing how many people like how who could be the most trans transphobic yeah. through the whole thing. Horrible. That would seem to be a, a, a hot ticket this go around. Fear. They're back to their fear playbook. They are, but it's but like how great. 
<laughs> let them fear. Let mm-hmm. them stir up, do whatever. But like, how do you expect to become the nominee? How do you expect to defeat Trump if you will not go after him? Go after his insane things. I'm rolling over my scarf. It's driving me crazy. Yes, um, sorry. Uh, yes. Anyway, let's go to the phones. Let's do it. And let me go. Karen in Oakland. Welcome. You're on Out Chicago. Hi. Uh, happy holidays. Happy uh, holidays to the, you. Happy holidays, Karen. Yes, uh, the, yeah, this is the most depressing time of the year for me because, uh, one, uh, when I would try to listen to Out Chicago on the rerun, it starts at like 10, 11, and it's always like last week's episode. So I hope you guys can fix that. And second, about the hypocrisy I find in uh, celebrating Christmas, especially when it targets, uh, you know, the LGBTQ community. Uh, you know that uh, ballet, the Nutcracker. Uh huh. Okay. Um, I think uh, one thing you have uh, like girls playing boy soldiers or boy boy mice pretending to be soldiers. Mm-hmm. And in another scene, you have some some of some interpretations of ballet have a. Uh, Woman, uh, gaudily dressed, and uh, and a little children come out from under their dress, and it's usually played by a man in drag. I wonder if that's allowed in Florida, and I wonder <laughs> right. if Florida was, and I wonder if Florida will still allow people to sing uh, "Don We Now Are Gay" apparel, yes. unless, unless unless you're the governor in his booth. Well, you know, it, yeah. it, it's very weird. It's, it, thank you so much for giving us a call, Karen. And thank yeah, you, I know this 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 time of year is filled with you know just some some weird emotions for people. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's not always necessarily a happy time. Uh, look, I can't speak to what's going on in Florida. I mean, isn't there some weird sort of like thruple, like three way kind of scandal going on with the? Did you tell? I don't know. Oh, girl! Apparently, there I believe it is somebody who's on. Uh, they're the uh, making laws for the education mm-hmm. thing, and one of the moms for liberty, uh, she and her husband uh, it is, have are under attack for apparently, uh, I believe it is a, a they were in a consensual three way with another woman who is now claiming that it was uh, uh, a sexual assault. So moms for liberty is that organization that is trying to uh, ban books and you know, take over school boards uh, behind the don't say gay thing. And there's some scandalos going on down there. Um, in terms of the the Nutcracker stuff, I mean, they're all different versions and sure. things like Most that. We're so. going to have a couple of them on here. I know, we do actually next hour. We're, we're going to be talking all about those. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, let, let art be art is what I say. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go back to the phone. Steve in Chicago, welcome. You're on out Chicago. Hello. Hello. Um, I am just, I'm calling with a, a suggestion on how to slightly shift your message. Okay. Um, instead of continuing to repeat, I'm worried that there's going to be violence. I'm worried there's going to be violence. Try saying, I know there's going to be violence. I'm confident that our, that our um, law enforcement and the Biden administration and the FBI, et cetera, will address it and keep it to a minimum. Because uh, it is going to happen. It is. It is going to happen. We've got some nuts out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you if you envelop yourself in the anxiety and the what if, without taking concrete steps to address it, you're just going to drown yourself. 
Yeah, that's true. So, I'm also thank you so much, Steve, you, for that. Steve, uh, that. I also sometimes I'm you know being on the radio. I don't want to say to make declarative statements that might you know like there's going to be violence. Right. Like, no, no. That seems a little weird, but I do. I am confident that people will be on top of it because I think people, especially this administration. Like, yeah, we have an administration now that's in charge. That will be watching that's what's be going different on. Than the last time. Yeah, so that's, that's true. That's true. Thank you. Thank faith. you so much for that. Yeah, Steve, thank you, Steve. That really that that does make me feel keeps good perspective. On it does things. keep a good perspective on things. We need those good perspectives and those positive thoughts. We do when we can find them. We do, we do. And but again, here's here's the thing that's just. Did you have you heard like the the Republican Party is in such shambles oh, and in such a, a state of disarray? You know, bye bye, Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. he's taking his ball he's and taking, going home. He is taking his ball and going home. Like. Mm. Whatever that that's all weird and everything, um, but did you know that the RNC is no longer sponsoring any future debates? No, I did not. The RNC is they have announced earlier last week that uh, they are not going to sponsor any more officially sanctioned any more debates. All the debates are going to have to be network uh, initiated, hmm. um, which will put things into a pickle because also all of the candidates had to sign that they would not appear in a debate that was not sanctioned by oh. the RNC. So who What's knows the reason what's going for not saying for not sanctioned? I what would they say they're I doing don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Probably because it's like because Trump is too far ahead in the polls. And he won't show up anyway. And he won't show up anyway. <laughs> so anyway, so that's fun. So we've got a coward uh, who won't uh, talk about the issues. And He's we have a, coward, a bunch right. of cowards who. Uh, yeah. who just, At least you got to hand it to Christie for trying, you know, to tell the truth. Sure. There's one out there. And there we are. <laughs> anyway, and on that note, we're going to switch gears yes, sure to something are. much more joyful uh, when we come back for the second hour. So please, uh, we got to do a little bit of news. Uh, go fill up your coffee, get your mimosa, and come on back for the second hour of Out Chicago right here on WCPT. I'd like to welcome you to WCPT AM's Out Chicago. Think of us as Sunday brunch with your gay best friends. Now, please welcome your host, Scott Duff. Welcome back to the second hour of Out Chicago. Scott Duff here, along with Ella Miller. Mm-hmm. Rolling along. Yes, we are. It is. What night are we on Hanukkah? I think we're the Three, third or fourth. Third. Three or four. December 7th was the first one, so it's the 10th, so 7th, 8th night. Yeah, we're on the fourth night. Mm-hmm. Hanukkah. Fourth night. Spreading light. Yes, Where we there are. is darkness. That's what we hope to do. Spread light and sunshine we on a gloomy day. Much of that we as we as can that conjure today. up. I know, I know, and I can't think of anything. You know, we're in the holidays. We're getting into the holiday spirit. Yes, we are. Um, and the, look, it doesn't get much better than the Nutcracker if you want to get into some good old Yuletide joy. But it gets, as one of our callers also from last hour was saying, like there are different interpretations. Yeah. I am so <laughs> freaking excited about this. Um, so Sugar Hill, the Ellington Strayhorn Nutcracker, it is a, an exhilarating story that's told in dance to the genre-defined collaboration between jazz icons Duke Ellington and Billy Strayhorn. It is set to have its world premiere at the Auditorium Theater on December 20th. That's when it starts. Uh, I mean, Ellington, Strayhorn, 
That music, the creative team, bananas crazy. Uh, cannot wait. Uh, and joining us now is one of the show's executive producers, Elise Clairbout. Elise, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm very pleased to be here. Well, we're We're very excited. We're so excited that uh, Sugar Hill is going to be coming to Chicago. How did this production come about? Because if you ask me, TikTok, it's about time. (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, you know, it started before the trans, uh, before the um, pandemic. Oh, okay. And that has a tendency to screw things up. Yes. So we're getting back now after the pandemic. You know, the uh, every a lot of stuff, you know, was upended because of the pandemic. Right. Sure. Um, but how it originally started was it was a vision. Um, there's this, a young lady. Her name is Jessica Swan, and she wrote a libretto called Sugar Hill, and that's the the libretto that is defined. As the Sugar Hill revealing, she 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 was an admirer of the writing team of Duke Ellington and Billy Strayhorn, and you know the original their soundtrack was done in 1960. Uh, they were probably one of the first genre-defying uh, com- compositional teams to do something like Tchaikovsky's work in a jazz setting, and for many years throughout that time. Many orchestras did side-by-side, uh, side, like a classical orchestra and a jazz orchestra. But this particular production, it has this particular libretto that, that um, and the, the, it's the glamour of the 30s, as you can see, as seen through the lens of a nonconformist daughter of high society black family in Manhattan and her fantastic dream will in the Sugar Hill neighborhood of Harlem. Now, you know, Sugar Hill, of course, is where the A-train goes. Mm-hmm. And that distinguishes it because the A-train also goes to Washington Heights. So, therefore, when, and then the D-train, which is on the same track, uh, goes to the Grand Concourse in the Bronx. So when Billy wrote the song, he was writing it to make sure that people got on the right train if they were going to Sugar Hill because they shared the tracks until they split off into northern Manhattan and the Bronx and so forth and so on. And and Sugar Hill was that part of Harlem that um, that was the 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 collective community was what was known as the Harlem Renaissance. Mm-hmm. Billy Strayhorn and Duke Ellington lived in Sugar Hill as well. So that's a very, very important place mm-hmm. to look at, you know, um, arts and just the, the lifestyle and just the very uniqueness of that particular place where there are so many great artists, so many great artistic geniuses in that area. So. Oh. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, the Sugar Hill neighborhood, which is, you know, was the hub of the Harlem Renaissance, you know, you have so much art, culture, thought coming out of this at this at that period. So the whole show, Sugar Hill, is uh, set in the 1930s in this neighborhood uh, as a, a celebration, right? Right. And uh, Jessica, Jessica Swan, the librettist, she was very inspired 
by the story of Duke Ellington and Billy Strayhorn. And in the story itself, they are um, they are represented, you know, in in uh, the, in their own person personage in certain ways, um, as you'll see. And um, you know, it it has to do with finding your individuality, finding your unique self. Uh, and those are some really good things to talk about. When I think about it, I think that this is a very timely time to have this kind of conversation because it creates a kind of dialogue amongst our citizenry that we desperately need right now. Mm-hmm. And so this is, and the, um, the uh, actual uh, strength of this is that it is something that everybody can relate to because the types of dance that are in it are jazz, but also regular ballet, point, uh, street dancing, hip hop. Uh, you know, there are uh, Latinos, you know, uh, every, every culture is represented, Chinese, Asian dances. And this really shows the wide variety of creative humanity and brings them together to, um, you know, to celebrate what it means to be a unique human being. Yeah, well, it sounds like the show itself is as genre-defying as Duke Ellington and Billy Strayhorn were with their work when they were, you know, collaborating together. And the creative team behind Sugar Hill is just bonkers talented. You have, you know, Tony Award-winning directors, choreographers, the cast. Like, what has it been like? Have you been able to be an active part of the rehearsal process to go and to see, to watch it develop into this beautiful thing? Yeah. Well, I haven't had that big of a privilege, but what I have had is the the actual producer, the you know, the principal producer, of course, is David Garfinkel. Mm-hmm. Who is who owns Hello Entertainment, and he has had other successful stage productions. And um, so, when we got in contact, and I met him, and I met Jessica, and we started, you know, talking about this vision and so forth. And uh, so, I began working alongside of him because, uh, as president of our own family company, Billy Strayhorn Songs. We have uh, not only the rights to the Strayhorn music, but we have also, we're, we're co-publishers, and we have the music and the scores, and, and so we have a lot of that that we can share, and we were able to um, talk about the importance of certain types of music, because it's not only just the Nutcracker that's going to be in display. There will be other songs that are famous by Duke Ellington, Billy Strayhorn, as well to embellish that and and really in, enlarge their importance as genre defying uh, composers in the 20th century. You just mentioned, Alice, that you have a close connection to the material. You said we, ours. Uh, Billy Strayhorn was your uncle. Uh, what are your memories of Billy? That uh, what can you got a couple of anecdotes you could share with us? Well, sure. Uh, I knew we knew Billy Strayhorn. I knew him in childhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, we lived in Pittsburgh, which was his hometown. But we knew we had an uncle that was a musician in New York, you know, mm-hmm. and he would come to visit. 
And every time he would come to see us, he would have like some records or something to let us know what Duke Ellington was doing and what the band was doing. And my father was a pianist. And my father was Billy Strayhorn's rehearsal pianist when Billy was in high school. That's how he met my mother. That's how my father met my mother. Oh, wow. And so, I know. So he would come home on Christmas. And in Pittsburgh, we lived in the community where you could leave the doors unlocked at night. Mm-hmm. Because when he'd be from New York, you know, that's, that was in the times when it took four hours to fly from New York to Pittsburgh. Right. So, so he would land and take a cab and come to our house. And the door was open. He would come in. And the first thing he would do was start playing the piano, which woke everybody up. Oh. And so we'd all run down the steps and say, hey, yay, Uncle Billy's here. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That sounds like its own, you know, nutcracker fantasy right there. Like, what a it's wonderful way for, for the holidays. We'd open gifts and everything, and just oh, we just love seeing them, and that was that's a fun memory. And then as an older uh, adolescent, I lived in New York City and went to high school in New York because I went to deliver other family members, mm-hmm. and so I was very much more close to him then because he was living in New York, and we um, we really got to know him quite well. My cousins and I, the company we own, Billy Strayhorn Songs, it is it is managed by the nieces and nephews of Billy Strayhorn. Beautiful. And so that's why we were able, we were a company that was organized. We are a, corp, we are a private corporation, duly, duly uh, uh, established. And we also have the rights. We were able to get the rights, the publishing, as well as the author rights. Oh, great. Uh, to the catalog because of the Sonny Bono amendment that was, um, became law in 1998 that extended the the, the uh, Tin Pan Alley age authors and, and let them retrieve their publishing rights. And so we were able to recapture them. And we decided to, that we would engage uh, a professional publisher to also partner with us, and they would have the actual rights of administration. Oh, well, and thank you, Sonny Bono. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and so Reservoir Media in New York is our co-publishing partner that do the administrative, you know, work for, you know, for our catalog, and um, and we manage the other aspects of it. So part of what, of what we had to do, we, we had to get songbooks out published, and a lot of the big, a lot of the big music publishers, particularly academic publishers, would publish uh, a lot of books and materials, and we had our scores developed by some researchers based on Billy's original papers, and a number of authoritative books came out, including his life story written by David Haydu, Lush Life, which was um, is on the New York Times list of all nonfiction titles of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... So, it, it, it kind of like, especially, you know, around this time of year, uh, when, well, working on this project, working on uh, Sugar Hill, the Ellington Strayhorn, Strayhorn Nutcracker that's going to be having its world premiere here in Chicago at the Auditorium Theater. It's got to be kind of awe-inspiring and humbling at the same time that his work still lives on. It is timeless. It It's you know, and what a gift to be able to share that with the world. Yes. And we, we are especially pleased at Billy Strayhorn songs because Billy has been 
more obscure for so long. Yeah. And, you know, and so now to bring him out into this light, this is this, this is what our, the purpose of us forming our company was legacy driven. Yes. We wanted to, you know, make sure we gave the world knowledge of him. And this is one of the examples of the things. And also, I have to kind of, uh, you know, uh, say I am excited about one of the things I'm excited about about this premiere is it's happening in my town, <laughs> Chicago. Uh-huh. Nothing, nothing against anything else, but I just I love Chicago. So I I lived here all my adult life. I raised my daughter here, and oh. I just love this city. It's a great town. It's a great theater town, mm-hmm. and the auditorium theater is a great, you know, place. It, it can't is. be matched anywhere. You're right. And, um, and we have lovely tourism. We have a beautiful lakefront. We have so much that is very important and very desirable, you know, to to enjoy in the art. We do. And, uh, Sorry, go on. Yeah, so that's what I had. <laughs> Did your uncle ever come to Chicago and enjoy Chicago as well, Uncle Billy? He loves Chicago. Uh-huh. He loves Chicago. We used to hear him say, "People sure know how to dress in Chicago." All right, <laughs> he's a smart man. <laughs> well, we'll... He loved the style. but he was here in 1963 because my people was the, the it was the Columbia Exposition 100 Years of Negro Progress, mm-hmm. and that took in Chicago in 1963, and Duke Ellington created a work called My People, which was a, a theatrical production with the band, and he had to be on the road. So Billy Strayhorn came to direct it, oh. and he was the one who was here doing that, uh, directing it in Chicago. But oh yeah, Chicago was definitely one of his favorite towns. He <laughs> always wonderfully yeah they sure know how to do things in chicago you know <laughs> I love well, they that. Do. And, you know and speaking and I and, it. Okay. <laughs> well uh, at least actually speaking of legacies and speaking of chicago recently your uncle billy strayhorn was inducted into the legacy walk here in Chicago, which is a uh, the only outdoor LGBTQ history museum in the country, um, and you know to to again to help preserve that legacy. What did that moment mean to you and your family? It meant a whole lot, and I had the privilege of working with Victor Salvo. Yes, oh, yeah, we love he Victor. was one of the people who started. Yes, and we worked together, and that was such an amazing project. And I just can't tell you how amazing, it was just amazing that the legacy uh, was preserved in that way and all the steps that they took to to make sure, because I think there is another, um, I think there's a branch of it in Springfield. There's a traveling, uh, the legacy wall, that that the traveling exhibit that goes around the country. Yes. And I thought, and see, he was inducted into that during his centennial year in, in 2015. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it was, it was part of the, and then in Chicago, the Chicago recognized Billy's legacy on his, uh, during his, and uh, his, um, centennial. I mean, they had the old town school of folk music. The whole school did a whole festival on called the, uh, Strayhorn fringe concert. 
They, in every style, they played the songs. And then the Jazz Festival and then the Museum of Contemporary Art and then the Jazz Showcase. And, um, I mean, there was such a celebration in Chicago. And then this Legacy Walk. And my family, they would say, wow, Chicago is really doing it. That's beautiful. And the Chicago Symphony also did something, the Brass, uh, Symphony Brass, they honored him. And I thought, and my my family, they said, yeah, we now see why you love Chicago. (laughs) Finally get it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we are are the city of big shoulders, and we like to put our greats and our legends on those big shoulders and hoist them up and celebrate them and celebrate their legacy that they continue to, their, their work continues to inspire folks. And I personally cannot wait to come see Sugar Hill, the Ellington Strayhorn Nutcracker that's going to be at the Auditorium Theater. It runs from December 20th through uh, December 30th at uh, at the Auditorium Theater. You can get tickets at auditoriumtheater.org and theater is spelled with an R-E because it's fancy that way, just like Billy Strayhorn and Duke Ellington right there. Uh, Elise Clarebout, thank you so much for taking time out to uh, speak with us today. Uh, and, and Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful run while you're here. Hope, and hopefully we'll get to, to see each other at the opening. Yes, I was going to say thank you so much. And I do look forward to meeting you. And thank you so much for this opportunity to share my story with you. Oh, it's our well, pleasure. It's a great story. It's a Elise. fabulous story. And, you know, again, uh, Sugar Hill, the Ellington Strayhorn Nutcracker. It's going to be at the Auditorium Theater. Head to auditoriumtheater.org. Elise, uh, Claire about. Thank you so much for joining us, and happy holidays to you. Thank you. In regards, thank you. Thank Thank you. you. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're shifting from jazz to butts. I can't believe I just said that with Elise still on the line. (laughs) Oh, no. That's what we're doing. So stick around. You're listening to Out Chicago right here on WCPT. It's Rayvon Owen, and you're listening to Out Chicago on WCPT 820. Welcome back to Out Chicago. We are like a fine meal. from We, we offer everything up from soup, soup to, to nuts. nuts. And now we're going from jazz to butts. Mm-hmm. So excited about That's this. Us. Look, it, you know it's the holidays when the butt cracker, a burlesque nutcracker, makes its triumphant return back to Chicago stages at the Greenhouse Theater Center. And joining us now is artistic producer of the butt cracker, uh, Jack Seafried. Hey, Sorry about that. Uh, I got very excited. Okay. We're talking about butts, <laughs> so I got very excited. Yes, I understand. It's very <laughs> exciting to talk about butts. I, I totally understand. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, welcome back. Congrats on another year of getting us all on the naughty list. We're very excited Thank about you. that. Um, Thank you. For folks who, uh, this might be the first time that they've encountered uh, the buttcracker, a burlesque nutcracker. Uh, yeah. What is the mission of the show? <laughs> um, the mission of the show is really to present to audiences um, an alternative uh, retelling of a holiday classic uh-huh. um, and told through burlesque and variety and story and mime and music um, and and to show audiences that, you know, what they might think of uh, as burlesque is actually much bigger and grander than, than what they could ever come up with. Um, so we have performers of all different shapes, sizes, um, uh, genders, race, uh, ability, 
age, you know, and we present that to the audience and we say, well, this is burlesque and audiences love it. Yeah. Yeah. And they love it. Well, you know, uh, I used to be a part of a of a body positive kind of a, a burlesque stand up right. comedy show called Strip Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we were uh, always had the mm-hmm. you know deep ties and connections with the burlesque community here in Chicago, which yeah. is surprisingly yeah. big for folks who might not know. Uh, what was it about burlesque as a genre that really just kind of buttered your biscuit? Yeah, well, I always loved. Um, Joking, right? And yeah. jokes. And burlesque, the word burlesque actually comes from an Italian word um, that means to joke or means to parody. Um, and I, when I re- discovered burlesque, I basically was like, oh, this is the genre that I absolutely love to be in already um, as a performer. That, you know, then when you combine that with, um, with the sexiness, when you combine it with dance, when you combine it with tease, um, it really made sense to me in terms of like, something that I was interested in, in not only just being a part of, but also producing and creating shows of it like that. So, um, so that's kind of where the, the buttcracker came in because there are so much, there's so much puns in burlesque already. A lot of our, you know, burlesque performers, their names are puns themselves. Oh, yes. Um, like we had a performer la- uh, yesterday and today is performing. Their name is Beaver Knievel. Um, you know, and so like, <laughs> we just have these like really fun, I know, right? So we just have these like really fun names and, and performers that are on the stage and yes, they're presenting sexiness, but it is also a, a form of entertainment that brings smiles to pretty much everyone's faces. Like I've never seen anyone walk out of the buttcracker and be like, I had a terrible time. I know, right? <laughs> it just doesn't happen. <laughs> right. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. So you were saying yeah. that uh, with the, uh, you know, this, which, how many years have you done this? Cause this is like years. Like, this, this is our seventh year. That's what I thought. Like, you've been doing this yeah. for a while. How has the show evolved? It sounds like you do have a, a rotating cast of, of, or at least some like special guest stars. Yes. So the cast is made up of, of, well, the creative team, right? We have a full creative team. So everyone from a director and choreographer to a lighting designer, costume designer, et cetera, right? So we are a fully fully functioning theater company. Um, But then our cast is made up of like nine folks who are um, the main cast members. So we have Clara, the Buttcracker, Drosselmeyer, Sugar Bum Fairy, um, and and our ensemble. Um, And then we have a rotating cast of burlesque, like superstars, right? So these are folks who um, have been working in the industry forever, right? And we, um, they're curated by a burlesque uh, performer named Theo Bass. And we work very hard to, uh, to bring to audiences the very best that Chicago's nightlife has to offer. Um, so we are bringing in people like Sally Marvel, who's been performing for decades, who uh, does sword swallowing, right? We're bringing in people like AJ Sacco, who is a magician, who has um, done magic all over the world. You know, we're, we're really working hard to present to audiences, not only because it's a lot of them is their first time seeing burlesque, but also to really wow them, to show them like, hey, this is burlesque, and this is burlesque, and this is burlesque, and it's all right here in Chicago. And like, you can go and see these performers all over Chicago because that's that's where they're performing. Um, Chicago is one of the most robust burlesque communities that is in, in the in the world, I think. Um, 
and one of the uh, uh, most talented performers as well. Um, so, you know, so the show is, is, a, is a huge endeavor every year that we do it. And every year it changes because we have new people, right? Not only do we have uh, new um, soloists that perform, sometimes we have an entirely new cast um, of main, ca- uh, main characters. Um, and then with our director and choreographer, a lot of times those change from year to year as well. Um, and they bring their own new spin on the tale or they bring their own uh, influence um, on it. So like for this year, for example, we have Sarah Scanlon as our director um, and Willie the Q is our choreographer. Willie comes from a dance and burlesque background as well. Sarah comes from a comedy um, and comedia background um, and movement background. Um, and so the two of them crafted this this story this year um, to be even more over the top and even more um uh, of a spectacle um, for for audiences, right? So Sarah's like mantra during the entire uh, process was surprise and delight, surprise and delight. We want to surprise the audience and we want to delight the audience. Um, and I'm, I'm, we definitely hit the nail on the head with it this year. Jack, why do you think there's been? Uh, what do you attribute the rise in popularity in the last bunch of years to uh, burlesque making its comeback? Oh, that's fascinating. So um, I have my own theory. I think that there's a lot of stuff that's been happening in the world, and I think that it's hard for us to process that. So when we look for entertainment, we're looking for something that is going to relieve us from the things that are, are you know, burdening us in our world. And so, and burlesque is a perfect um, uh, example of, of helping us to do that, right? It's entertaining. It's low stakes. Um, it's fun. Um, it's beautiful. Um, you know, we have had people cry before in our show specifically like not the performers but audience members because they're looking at something so beautiful they're looking at relationships and people having fun and enjoying themselves on stage you know and I think that because there's you know, there's a lot of shit happening in the world, right? There's a lot of stuff happening in the world and it's hard for us. And to be able to go into a dark theater um, and witness something that just brings joy and delight um, to you for two hours um, is, is really a nice repose from that kind of um, uh, worldly burden, you yeah, know? Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and you know, yeah. it's, the thing that's also really great about burlesque is the different styles that it all takes on. Mm-hmm. You know, as you were saying, yeah. like, this can be burlesque, this is burlesque. And, you know, automatically you think of like, you know, I was joking about putting us on the naughty list, but you think it's like, it's naughty. Right. But it's, it's, oh, yeah. It's more like, and it is. And it is. And it is. In a, in a good way. But in a it's way. It's nice and naughty, you yeah, know? In a way that it very, that very much celebrates the performer, you know, the performer and yeah. like in all their shapes and sizes, in their, you know their their own perspective, their artistic perspective. Yeah. Um, yep. They with each of a performance of a burlesque, it tells a story. Uh, mm-hmm. e- each act, and it is titillating. It is sensuous. Yep. It is yeah. uh, a little risque, but yep. And not but and <laughs> and the per- and the person who is the performer who is doing it is in control. It, they oh, are yeah. the ones who they are celebrating their mm-hmm. own bodies. They are celebrating, uh, you know, the, their curves, their shapes, their whatever it is. It's it's never. Yeah. Um, it never feels lewd. It feels yeah. like it is a celebration of sexuality, a celebration it it of really bodies, uh, and a, a celebration of, yeah. of strength. 
Yes, it really is. Um, and, you know, that's one thing that the Buttcracker really um, uh, drives home as well um, in terms of our presentation for the show, right? Um, you know, yes, we have our soloists that are performing, uh, you know, tea, for example, right? But, you know, we ask them to, you know, to think about their act as a story, as having a beginning and a middle and an end. Um, you know, it's not just um, going on. It's it's never not just going on stage and taking your clothes off, right? That's Anyone can do that. Right. And, well, maybe not everyone, but. <laughs> but to, to take your clothes off on stage, not everyone, not everyone, but to take your clothes off on stage and say that's burlesque is like, that's dumbing it down, right? Yeah, yeah. Burlesque is so much more than that. Oh. It's about the relationship between the performer and the audience, and that is a symbiotic relationship. If the audience is not hooting and hollering for that performer, that performer is not going to take a piece of clothing off. You know, the, yeah. they need that audience, and the audience needs them mm -hmm. in, in just the same way. And so that story of like what comes off next and how am I surprising and delighting the audience audience with how things come off, right? Costuming is a very big part, a very big component of burlesque. And so the transformations that performers are able to create, like our soloists who, who make all of their own costumes, um, you know, they work really hard to create a transformation when they take something off, right? It's not just I'm taking a glove off, but the glove suddenly becomes um, a, a really long um, piece of fabric. And then all of a sudden they're twirling around their body, right? Mm -hmm. um, or or their dress, like, you know, they take a, a little piece of a dress off, but then all of a sudden it magically transforms into a longer skirt, right? Or into a pair of uh, shorts or whatever, right? And so that is, you know, that is something that we really work hard to, to make sure that audiences understand as well, is that, you know, this is a story and the audience is a part of that story, you know? Yeah. That's true. Yeah, well, and I know, so when folks come to see the Buttcracker, a Nutcracker Burlesque yeah. that's at the yeah. uh, Greenhouse Theater Center, it's running through December 30th, yep. Uh, I know that there are uh, you, there are a couple like special events that are going to be planning throughout the run. What what you, yeah. what's coming up? <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. So before every show, except for Saturday nights, um, we have Brielle who uh, does magic. So she walks around during uh, you know from the minute the house opens, she's walking around and doing magic for everyone that she can possibly find. Right. So I definitely recommend folks getting to the theater a little early so that they can experience her magic because she's really really great. Um, and then on Saturday nights, um, we actually we don't have Brielle, but we have these uh, uh, fabulous fun uh, experiences for our audiences. Right. So like last night, for example, we had a piece PJ party. So we encouraged everyone to come to the show wearing like their holiday PJs. And sure enough, they did. And we like almost ran out of like swag to give them because we were like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know how many people are actually going to show up in their PJs. So, you know, let's just give everyone who shows up in their PJs some swag. And we like almost ran out last night. They were like, what do we do? We're wow. almost out of swag. And I was like, oh my God, I love that. <laughs> um, amazing. Next, the weather cooperated. I know, right? So, you know, it's so I know. It's so great. We definitely encourage people to dress up for the show. It's a lot of fun. So like next weekend, for example, next Saturday night, um, we're having an ugly sweater contest. So that's going to be um, judged by... Um uh, uh, oh my God, Aunt Nance, um, who's the Chicago Cougar. Um, she's a performer in Chicago. She's hilarious. So she's going to come and she's going to um, uh, uh, help to judge the ugly sweater contest, right? And you'll win some some Malort swag from that. Um, and then on the 23rd, we have a very special guest who's coming. Um, I won't say who it is, mm -hmm. um, but a very special guest. <laughs> um, and then on the 30th, which is our closing night, we're just going to have a big old closing night party. Uh, we want the whole audience to come and it'll be at LP's Next Door, which is our um, restaurant partner. Um, so, you know, so we're, you know, we're trying to throw in as, as much fun stuff as we possibly can for, uh, for the audience this year and for, you know, everyone involved in the show. Sounds well, like a blast. I know. Let me tell you, it's already going to be a fun time without all the, the without the PJs, the, the ugly stuff. sweaters, yeah. and the, the malort. And it really is. It really is.
really is a wonderful time. And if you are looking to steam yeah. up some of your winter nights, head on over to the Greenhouse Theater <laughs> Center for this year's installment of the Buckcracker, a Nutcracker Burlesque. It is now playing and it's running through December 30th. If you haven't seen Burlesque, go check it out. It really is. Yeah. Uh, it it is it is different than what you think, and it is. Yeah. And it, and it is all that you wish it would be. So go yes. to uh, thebuttcrackerburlesque.com for more information and for tickets. Jack Seifert, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, You're welcome. And thank ha- you. Happy Thanks, holidays. Jack. Thank you. You as well. Happy holidays. Thank, thank you yeah. so much. We've got to take a quick break. And when we come back, it is the final thrilling show-stopping moments about Chicago right here on WCPT. Welcome back. I'm Fazia Mirza. You're listening to Out Chicago on WCPT. Welcome back to Out Chicago. Scott up here. Ellen Miller, rolling along. We are. There we are. Her button nutcrackered out over I here. Know. I know. Look, lots of ghosts. Here's see. the thing that I love. Like yeah. when you take a classic, there's always room for interpretation, and we've got two amazing interpretations of that. Uh, you know, the Sugar Hill, mm-hmm. uh, Billy Billy yeah. Strayhorn uh, experience right there. You've got the buttcracker <laughs> that's going on. Burlesque, I will say, I as a gay man who is not uh, shredded, who is not somebody who has zero percent body fat, who does not, you know, like I, I, I am a gay man who has body issues. Uh, there is nothing more empowering. I've never felt better about myself than when I was doing Strip Joker, when I was host that, mm-hmm. and to do the the tease, to take things off the joke. Like we would draw uh, our own abs. Like I would take a marker and I would give, yourself a give myself pack. definition by mm-hmm. just with a sharpie. Mm-hmm. But there's something very powerful in that vulnerability hmm. you know to be up there and to be on stage and to you know to remove your clothes while saying jokes wow i mean i gotta hand it to you i mean a lot of people couldn't do that because you know they're so self-conscious it, you know about i was very i was very self-conscious it's been mm-hmm. like my first time and i'm like oh okay how how do we get around this and it's like oh when you have people who are supporting you like like Jack was saying, yeah, you know, you the audience is there. They're rooting for you. They're they're just supporting you. Yeah. And you know, it it is with Strip Joker in particular. We partnered with uh, the You Are Beautiful campaign, and it was like, you know, you mm-hmm. are. This is what you look like. Celebrate it. That's celebrate it. A great way to be. And we so, should be. I'll be seeing Burlesque uh, a week from today, actually, in uh, one of the. Original burlesque spots in Nashville. It's called Skulls, and it's a okay. restaurant uh, that Kathy and I love uh, to frequent when we're in Nashville. We go down to see Kathy's family that they live a couple hours away, and then we always include a night or two in Nashville at the end of our uh-huh. trip with the visit with the family. And we stay at a hotel that's like right next to. Uh, it's called Printer's Alley. You know, you know, people familiar with Nashville know it. It's a, it is an alley. It's got a lot of clubs and restaurants, and we wandered in the Skulls several years ago it had just reopened it was a storied burlesque 
and you know bar and restaurant years and years ago and somebody you know they they bought it and brought it back to its original glory and the, the we've been going for years and the burlesque is fantastic you we eat dinner there because the food is great but we are uh, we are treated to a lovely burlesque show and they have a live jazz band there and it's 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 a part of our holidays. So in it's the last great. bunch of years, we've had burlesque, uh, you know, a part of our our holiday celebration. Oh, look, have you ever been to uh, the Drifter? No. It's in Chicago. It's downstairs at the Green Door Tavern. Oh, I've heard about so it. It's the, like a speakeasy down it's there. It's like a speakeasy down there. I've actually yeah, performed there. Oh yeah. But they have um, they have burlesque there. Look, if you can get in, yeah. number one, it is tea Yeah, I hear it's really small and It is cute. very small, so cute, great cocktail menu. It's it's wonderful. And you'll just be sitting there, you'll be having drinks and just hanging out, and then all of a sudden, uh, uh, the curtain opens up and there's a, a burlesque performer that happens. It's just kind of That's on cool. the thing. Yeah, and I've People done, aren't expecting I, it. It's wonderful. And it's, it's again, it's if you haven't seen burlesque, you should go check it out. It, it really is. It's, it's wonderful. You know, it's fun. I was just on a, a couple of last month. I was on the Big Easy Cruise. It's, uh, you know, it was on a big uh, ship going into the Caribbean and New Orleans. But one of the featured acts in the New Orleans uh, blues, uh, it was a Big Easy Music was burlesque of course and they were they did several shows and man were the were the crew and the uh higher ups were loaded into the into the venues <laughs> to see the burlesque show mm-hmm. they were, I bet. yeah it was but it was fantastic they had a great band backing them up which is all part of it mm-hmm. and uh it's a lot of fun so you know a lot of opportunities here in chicago to take advantage Just of saying the that. burlesque Just saying, thing there we go yeah, yeah there we go. Cool. uh look we lost Two giants. Yes, we did. uh, This past week, Uh, Norman Lear changed the face of television. Oh gosh, did he ever? How in so many different ways? He he passed away at a hundred and one. Amazing, just just amazing. Um, And Ryan O'Neill died this week at age eighty-two. Yeah, um, I was a fan of Ryan. I was just (laughs) I looked up the date earlier. I was kind of a little precocious as a child, and one of my favorite shows was Peyton Peyton Place. Place. Mm -hmm. And I just looked up how old I was when I started watching it because the show ran from sixty-four to sixty-nine. Uh huh. I was between eight and eleven. All right. Well, and my it was was Peyton Place because that's kind of. I mean, I, it, it was scandalous, wasn't it? Wasn't it kind of like a soapy yes, thing? Yes, it was. And I, as a child, my brother John and I, of course, both ended the up two gay, gay ones. The yeah. two gay ones. Uh, <laughs> we were just riveted. We, you know, it was on a couple of nights a week. Oh, and it was okay. on like Tuesday and Thursday, I think, or you know, Monday and Wednesday, and. Man, my mom didn't. She had four kids and my dad traveled. It's like, you know, whatever can keep you guys. Yeah. That's like parents today with the phones, you know. Do you want to sit in front of the TV? I mean, she didn't. And I just, I loved Ryan O'Neal. His love interest was Mia Farrow in that one. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she was just coming on the scene and she got involved with Frank Sinatra. You know, the whole thing was like just huge, like celebrity news every every week. Something was going on. But I loved Ryan O'Neal. I felt bad later in life when, you know, of course... His relationship with Tatum brought out a lot of things that uh, weren't so great, obviously, you know, um, but uh, he was fantastic. Of course, another milestone when I was a teenager, young teenager, 13, 14, 15. Love story. Love story. Mm -hmm. Love means never Never having having to to say say you're sorry. And I thought about it, thought about it. And Scott, here's the deal. 
Love is always having to say you're freaking sorry. I okay? know. It's the this dumbest is, line ever. Is, we, just, we embraced it as kids trying to... I was like, I think about it for hours. Like, really? Is that what love is? Because I didn't know what love is. I'm 14. Love is never... You never have to say you're sorry. But as an adult who has been in love for many years, love is often, if not always, yes. having to say, especially if you're me, having to say you're sorry, <laughs> sweetie. I'm sorry. Sweetie, she uh, is sorry. But this love is never, it's just like it caught on, you know, uh, Eric Siegel, I think, was the author of the book. and No, he it was well, a screenplay, and then because it was such a huge hit, he, he wrote, wrote a the book. book after, okay, that's what, yeah. but he wrote the screenplay. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, I'm just like, wow, love is never you, So if you fall in love, you're never going to have to say you're sorry. Because as a kid, I was saying sorry all the time to my parents. But. See, <laughs> see, my Ryan O'Neill uh, is uh, the Peter Bogdanovich Ryan O'Neills. Uh, is that Paper Eric? Moon? Paper Moon. First of all, but uh, 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 what's up, Doc? Yeah, with Barbara Streisand. What's up, Doc? Is perhaps one of the Funniest movies ever. I will go to my grave saying that. It is Madeline Kahn's first movie, her first major role in the in the film. Uh, Barbara Streisand looking so sexy and so smart and so funny and so confident. Uh, and Ryan O'Neill being like the cutie, the the cutie nerd who's into his rocks. Yeah. Like yeah. it is. Yeah, there's glasses there's on. There's glasses yeah. and the whole rocks and like Austin Pendleton is oh, in yeah. it. And Madeline, you know, I said Madeline Kahn. It is just, it is one of the most delightful slat, like screwball comedies on the planet. But then after that, things... Well then, Bring well him. you know, then you know, <laughs> I know things. I'm, of course, we should not be speaking of the dead, but mm-hmm. I know things do not go well. Know, it's, yeah, it's uh, but I know he and Tatum had like there was a big falling out. I, you know, Tatum O'Neill won the Academy Award for Paper Moon. She still is the youngest person to have ever won an Academy Award. Uh, and then she went and did Bad News Bears. Right. You know, but then and then there was a, a rift. There was a, a split, and they had some. Very, she said he was abusive. She said it was abusive and jealous when he won the Oscar. Yeah, and because of that, was not kind. And it was they, not kind. And they were. I didn't realize I was reading on his, his biography the other day. He, you know, that they they did a reality show together. Yeah, they did, and people thought that they had kind of reconciled. But she set the record clear. No, we did not. I thought that was him. He said or that one of them. Yeah, he yeah. said that it was. He did. Yeah, that it was like a, it, the rift is still very big. So, but it was a huge loss. He did make some really lovely contributions. Again, if you want, if you have not seen What's Up, Doc, you need to see it. Go back. It holds up. You think? It, oh, oh, it's an annual. We watch it yearly in our house. It is. So funny. It is so... I loved it at the time. It yeah. is, again, it is screwball. It is smart. The two of them, the the scene where she sings You're the Top uh, on the piano is I just... I always saw it at the theater years ago. I've got, uh, I have to revisit you it. You need to revisit it because it's great. And it's like San Francisco. It's like a love letter to San Francisco. Mm, San Francisco. Madeline Kahn makes that movie. She, she takes a role that could have been, you know, just a harpish, like, you know, a shrewish harpy kind of a woman. And she's very powerful in her. It's like she's the one who's like, 
you know, she's reading the book about like her sensual self and everything. Clearly, this man is not pleasing her, and she's like she has a happy ending, and, and the whole it's just. Another thing to there watch. Circling back real quick to Norman Lear, uh, yeah. I was reading one uh, his la- last Instagram post four days before he died. He wrote, one of the hap- easiest, happiest, and most treasured decisions I ever made was to participate in this song with my glorious grandson, Noah Lapoke, or Lapook, as he wrestles to make the right decisions in life, and he will, I know, he wrote all the time, with a harmonica in hand. Norman Lear, with the harmonica, with his oh, nephew, there we go. his grandson, who I saw in a Victory Gardens production. His grandson, I believe, if he's still here, uh, I think he might have come, gone, gone to school here at the DePaul or something. Oh. And he, he uh, yeah, he acted, my friend was the understudy for the show. I can't forget what show it was at Victory Gardens a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic. And Norman Lear's son was, uh, grandson was in the show and lives here in Chicago. Yeah. But Norman accompanied him on harmonica four Amazing. days before he died. Amazing. Look, that's that man, how I want to go. He changed, he changed the way uh, we view entertainment. He changed the way people, he changed who came into people's living rooms. He sure did. You had feminism. You had black people mm-hmm. who, you know, the, who were you had bigots. who were married you know like it was it very it was you had bigots that i'm always confused about all in the family no people, people love, are a little conflicted about that you know because my thing is that he never changed archie bunker never never learned but anything i think he felt he was exposing him for Indeed. you know obviously yeah. and that Indeed. was and, and you know most people got that um my dad that was his absolute favorite show and he was a you know liberal democrat yeah, yeah, yeah. you know but um but I don't know, like his contributions, like he, he, the biggest worry before him was like, oh no, the housewife put a dent in the family car right, yeah. and how you do know, we he, let yeah, him he see? Tackled, he, he tackled, he tackled issues, he tackled about abortion, he tackled homosexuality, he tackled, you know, he introduced major social issues into, into the culture yeah. and into people's living rooms and got us thinking and talking. He might not have been completely successful in terms of, you know, some of the representation, but at least p- folks were being represented Absolutely. after a very long time so that and I'm sure you know people had common sense back then so they saw Archie Bunker for who he is I wonder today if they would like put his name up for nomination for president or something you uh, know? who knows um, mm-hmm. another one that he did was Mary Hartman Mary Hartman and Which Fernwood one tonight I, can I never get it. it's so weird I loved it as a kid yeah because it was so irreverent we just, just weren't used to seeing that on yeah. television. I never watched it because it just I didn't you, understand it. It was a little it. before your time. I didn't get so. it. Yeah. Well, like when it would it come on. it was all on, parody, yeah. I was like, I don't get it. And, and Ferdwin Tonight was the sequel with Will, uh, with, uh, oh, he died. Uh, what was his name? I don't know. Oh, yeah. He's a comedian that... Um, Willard, uh, Fred, Fred Willard. Willard. Yeah, he was in front with tonight. All right, well, there we go. You got to revisit that. Sometime. I will revisit. Go that. down that rabbit hole, and I'll do uh, what's up, Doc. There we go. We'll talk. Mary Hartman. Mary Hartman. Mary Hartman. There we are. Anyway, uh, thank you for all the joy that you brought us, uh, Norman Lear. Yes, and indeed. Ryan what a great life. We well lived. Uh, and this was a great show. I want to thank all of our uh, guests, uh, Elise Clairbout and uh, Jack Seifert, for joining us today. Uh, Devin, so glad that you're back and that you're healthy and you're here. Amazing. Uh, Paul, 
Okay. There we are. Uh, and uh, apparently the Bears have scored a touchdown, which is very important when you have sports people and, and a lesbitarian. Yay. Uh, yes, indeed. You know it, Scott Duff. <laughs> I know. I love it. I love it. Go Bears. Beat the Lions. Go Bears. Uh, go Bears. Uh, hey, uh, Ellen Miller. Yes, sir. Have a wonderful time. We'll miss you next week. Thank you. I'll a... be with Kathy's family celebrating our uh, annual Christmas holiday down there in there you Tennessee. Go. We'll celebrate that. We'll see you on the following week for I'll Christmas Eve. For the Christmas Eve show. There we go. Uh, and I'm Scott Duff, and until next week, stay, stay proud. proud.